Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good. Who's excited to, uh, to be here and to continue our series called Encounters. Uh, but before we do so, uh, today, actually 20, 34 minutes ago, our city campus has their very first service, the same time we started. And so we just want to pray. Uh, we want to pray for them. And we are so excited for what God is going to do in the city of Brisbane. Uh, together as Gateway Church launches a brand new campus today. So can we just lean in? We're just going to pray for them this morning. Dearly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for our city campus. God, thank you for, uh, for Pastor uh, Jason Circum, and thank you for, for Andrew Circum, not Jason Circum, wrong, wrong name, Andrew Circum. Uh, we thank you for all that he's doing. Uh, thank you for the team there and what you are already doing 35 minutes ago. God, we, we are so expectant for what you're going to do through all of the different campuses all around our city. So God, speak to us this morning and prepare our hearts and let the raiders beat the roosters this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, uh, Shandini's just popped out, but we've, we, this morning, we've, uh, we've already announced in the last two Sundays, uh, two babies that are, or two couples that are pregnant, uh, and, Aaron, and Aaron and Shandini, I think Shandini's up out the back, are pregnant as well. And so congratulations, guys. We're so excited for you. For number three on the way, be praying for Chandini in particular, who's not having a very fun time. Here she comes. Our heart goes out to you with morning sickness. And all the boys don't really have much of an idea what that means, except we know that it's not very good. Hey, uh, we are, as I said, we're, we're continuing in this series uh, on encounters. This morning, we're going to, the title of message this morning is simply this, how do you see it? How do you see it? Who's ever, who's old enough to remember what one of these is? Yeah, all right, there's a few of us, there's a few of us that want to know what it is. So it's, it's one of those magic eye posters. Remember like in the 90s, there was this craze, we had these magic eye posters. They're really, really ugly. Like there's nothing about them to go, oh, wow, that's really pretty. But, and, it, and it's one of those things, I remember a mate had it and he had this and it goes, it's an Apache helicopter. And I'm looking at that going, how is that an Apache helicopter? No, you just got to look at it. You got to stare at it long enough. And I remember standing there for 15 minutes and I'm like this. He goes, no, no, you're going to go cross-eyed. So I'm like, I'm not sure if he was like taking the mickey out of me or if he was serious. And I remember standing there for 15 minutes and we all did the same thing. We all looked at these posters with, with like veins popping out the necks and just, we so wanted to see it. And then eventually, if you were really talented, eventually that would look like an Apache helicopter or something like that. For most of us, if you're anything like me, I really wanted to see the picture, the flower or the helicopter or the whatever it was, but I could never make them work. Can it actually, I don't even know if it works on a screen. Is that, has anyone seen anything there, apart from just a random mixture of colors? See, we all see things differently. Let me illustrate my, my point here. Um, parents, 
Parents and grandparents, you know the time when it comes towards uh, your son or your daughter, your granddaughter, your grandson's birthday? And what we do is we go into panic mode. So we go, okay, we realize that a present is not just a present. We realize a a present could be like a life-defining moment, a life-changing moment for our child. And so we start to think. This significant amount of thought. And then we go to, we start looking at online uh, catalogs. We start looking through the junk mail and we start talking to each other and going, what are we going to get? I don't know. What are we going to get? And the pressure and the tension rises and rises. Then we start going to other parents. Well, what did you get to your son and daughter? And they go, well, we try this. And we're like, that's a great idea. And then they go, I don't know. Can I really do that? Because that's their idea. Like if I get, you know, and so we, this is like the pressure builds and builds and builds. And then we finally get to the moment where we've made the decision. And they arrive at the, the shop and they're sold out of that decision. And then you're going to go to like plan B. And so you look at plan B and you go, and then you finally get it. And then it's kind of like the Mufasa and Simba moment. You know, you buy that toy that you've been so painstakingly and thoughtfully bought. And it's kind of like, you know, that moment in, in, uh, in The Lion King where he holds up Simba in front of him. It's kind of like, that's how we feel like inside. And, and then there's the kid, you know, and, and then finally it comes to their birthday and we give the present to them. And then they look at the present and they discover the cardboard box is way more exciting than the actual present, you know. And then the present kind of gets shoved up the side and they play with the cardboard box. We all see things differently. We all see things differently. See, we live in such an amazing city, the city of Logan. Uh, God has, has, has just brought such an amazing group of people that we live amongst of. But it's a very unique and a very diverse uh, city. Lots of different people, lots of different backgrounds, lots of different, uh, lots of different nationalities and backgrounds. We live in such a diverse and amazing city. I was having coffee with someone this week and we were talking about this. We're talking about the beauty of our city, talking about how, how just amazing it is. And yet we made, I remember her making this statement. She said, you know what, Logan is thirsty for authentic and genuine people. Logan is, 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 is thirsty and hungry for, for authentic and genuine people. It's, it's, it's hungry for, for a, a, and thirsty for a genuine and authentic encounter. An encounter that would change their lives. So we live in a city where there's so many challenges. You know, we, all we have to do is look around us and we see so many challenges. And if you're anything like me, I look at those challenges and I go, I don't really have the solutions and I don't know what to do. How do you see it? How do you see our city? How do you see some of the, the incredible opportunities that are right on, our, right on our doorstep? But also, how do we see the many challenges we face? This morning, we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at a story where, where, where one man encounters Jesus. We're going to look at a story of how a man encounters Jesus, another group of people are totally and utterly confused, and then there's another group of people who would just get really, really, really angry over it. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to open up to John chapter 1. Sorry, John chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, it's also going to be on the screens behind me. John chapter 9, verse 1 says this. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man's, uh, sorry, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Neither this man 
nor his parents have sinned, Jesus said. Let's jump to verse 6. After saying this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with his saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. I just want to stop and pause for a moment. Is anyone else with me here this morning thinking, that's a little bit odd? That's a little, little bit strange. As I was reading this story uh, this week, I was confronted again at just how odd and how strange that is. Jesus is walking into a temple and he sees a blind man on the side of the road and he stops, looks at it, and I don't know what goes through his mind. But he decides that what would be the right idea, the appropriate decision to do is go... (laughs) And then spit on the ground and then make a mud pie. And then, not to just make the mud pie and go, because that's kind of an old thing to do in the best of times. But then to go, you know what, I'm just going to scoop some of that up and I'm just going to wander over to the guy and I'm just going to start... Now, just for a moment... Imagine what it must have been like to be that particular man. So you're just going to work as normal, so your job is because you're blind, you can't do anything else except for sit by the side of the road near the temple and hope that someone would notice you. Hope that someone out of the kindness and compassion or guilt, whichever one, I don't care because I need your money, uh, you know, whatever we would do, try and stop and give you money. And so you're just kind of sitting there doing your thing. You kind of, he's holding out his hands and he can't see a thing. And then all of a sudden, there's kind of like voices and commotion nearby. Now, if it was me, I'm kind of thinking at that point, it's like all of a sudden he's thinking, hey, this could be payday. Like someone could slip a 50, like they could put like a pineapple in my hand. This is kind of like a winner. I mean, like, and because it's, it's, it's just this conversation. He can't see a thing, remember. So there's this conversation going on. He's excited thinking, hey, you know what? I could, I could be cashed up here. I could make a whole lot of money out of this situation. And then all of a sudden, he just hears this noise. <laughs> At that moment, you're faced with a decision. I hope that didn't spit on me. Or where did they spit? Either one is, I'm not sure. And then all of a sudden, you're just kind of standing there going, I'm not sure what to make of this situation. And then all of a sudden, you just feel this moist, wet, sludgy stuff beginning to get smeared all over your face. Imagine, I mean, we read it and go, oh, well, he hid the blind man. The blind man doesn't know he's healed yet. All he knows is that someone's just sticking stuff on his face and he's just heard someone spit on the ground beforehand and he's trying to put two and two together and go, please, Jesus, if there is a Jesus, uh, please let that not be. Imagine what that must have been like at that moment. But then Jesus makes this statement. He says, oh, get up and go and wash off. I'm blind, and I can't see, which also means that I'm blind, and I've got stuff on my face, and I don't know what it is, I don't want to think about what it is, because I'm not, Jesus makes a saliva mud pie on the ground, and then smears it on the guy's eyes, I don't know about you, that's messed up, but that's pretty inappropriate, After the service, please, no one mud pies with saliva smearing on anyone, okay? Kids can do stuff with water and mud, but adults are forbidden, all right? But imagine what it must have been like. Now, I did some Google research this week. So I jumped on Google, and, and I did some Google research. I looked up the medical benefits of saliva, 
I had a little bit too much time on my hands. And so what it is, I looked at, and this is what some of the medical uh, information that I find about the medical benefits of saliva. This is what it says. Saliva contains important substances that your body needs to digest food and keep your teeth strong. It has proteins and minerals that protect tooth enamel and prevent tooth decay and gum disease. Now, what it didn't say, so I, I kind of like, well, let me read it. So I'm like reading through these like medical journal things and, uh, and, and I'm reading through and you know, not, at no point in any of them, it referred to how important mud is in the, consum- or the, in the, in the construction of a mud pie. Like it, none, of the, none, of these, none of these books said that and it certainly didn't talk about how, how necessary saliva is in, in enabling people, blind people to see. None of these, none of these manuals and none of these books that I read online told me anything about how useful saliva is to blind people when they want to see. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed how Jesus doesn't always work like we would like him to work? Have you, always, have you ever noticed, you know, if you read the Bible, if you even use your reflect on your own walk with God, you know, you've, you ever noticed that, that very rarely, not always, does, does Jesus work how we think he should work? It doesn't always make sense how he thinks or what he does. Have you ever noticed that our expectations and our experiences of Jesus don't always line up? We think Jesus should work this way. We've got a situation. We've got an issue. We kind of go, you know what, God, this is exactly, you know, this is brilliant. This is, he's going to do exactly like this. And then what he does is he does this. And we go, oh, that's a little bit confusing. And then we go, no, no, all right, next time. We go, all right, God's going to work exactly like this. And then God does this. Or then my personal favorite annoyance is this one. When we go, God should work like this, and God does nothing. And so what we do is we scratch our head and we question and we doubt and we struggle and we chuck a tantrum like Jude does when I'm trying to turn off rusty rabbit so we can get to church on time on a Sunday morning. Shadi says that he gets it from me. I would like to suggest that he gets it from Luke because it's all Luke's fault. He's in our life group. Uh, and, and, and so Jesus doesn't always work how we think he should work. We think Jesus should work one way, but he works this way. We think Jesus should do this, but he does that. Now, I know that all of you here are too wise and too mature and too spiritual to ever think like this, and that's just me. But let's be honest together for a second. Every one of us think like this at times. We struggle to understand why God does what why God does. Let's jump back into the story. Jesus spits in the dirt and he makes some mud and he rubs it in the guy's eyes. Verse 7 to 9 say this. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had had merely seen him begging asked, isn't that the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, I am the man. This man encounters Jesus and his life, his current life, his present life and his future is forever changed. You know, you got to put yourself in his shoes. 
Everything changed in his world in that split moment where God, where Jesus did that and rubbed, eye, rubbed, rubbed mud in his eyes. His world changed. See, no longer did he, did, he have to, did he have to go and beg by the side of the road at the mercy and the compassion of other people. But he could now get a normal job just like everyone else he heard walking around the streets. No longer did he have to be lonely. In a pitch black world, alone, alone. But now he had the chance to be able to get married. Now he had the chance to have friends. Now he had the chance to have children. Now he had the experience, the embrace of people that would love him and care for him. And no longer was he simply ignored and unseen by the city. No longer was it the mercy and the guilt of the people who, who happened to see him and those who couldn't avoid him. See, in that moment, in that encounter, everything changed for him. But they, it's interesting. It's interesting what I find interesting is that the people around him, his neighbors and the people that knew him, simply because he can now seem didn't even recognize him. And imagine what that must have been like. Nothing's changed except for the fact that he can now see. Nothing outwardly has changed whatsoever. And yet in that moment, everyone's like, isn't that the God? No, that's not the God because he can see. I mean, isn't that, I swear that's a God. Nah, you're just joking. No, no. And he has to pipe up and go, no, 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 really, it's me. And I can imagine that kind of, no, it's not you. Yes, it is me. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Like, of course it's me. And they don't, they don't, they just can't understand what's, happen. You see, they encounter a moment. And there's two different people in this story. And there's two different people or groups of people that we have in our world today. We have in our church today. The first group of people, or the first group of, or the first person is Jesus. You see, Jesus saw a human being. Everyone else walked past him, but Jesus stopped and he saw a human being. He saw someone that he'd made. He saw someone that had incredible value, even though the rest of the society and the community saw no value in him. He saw intrinsic value in him. And yet the other group of people was everyone else. Everyone else who saw nothing. Everyone else just kind of walked along and kind of just tried to change the direction of the head, trying to turn the topic of conversation away from the blind beggar standing on the side of the road. See, there's so many people here this morning. There's people here this morning who you feel like the blind beggar. Now, you might not be blind, but you feel like no one sees you. You feel like no one, no one acknowledges you. You feel like you walk your days and your, your nights and, and people just don't see you or acknowledge you. See, our city is filled with people just like that. I made a statement at the start. I said, there's so many challenges in our city and there's not a lot that we can do about it. Or is there? See, it's all about how, how do you see it? See, there is something that we can do. There is something that we see Jesus doing here. There's two simple things, and yet in Jesus' way, are so profound, and they're so simple, and they're so significant. They're so simple, and yet they're so challenging. The two things that we find Jesus doing is that Jesus noticed people. 
in the midst of a large crowd with his disciples and the banter and the back and forth and the questions and the stuff that were going on and the people that were trying to get close to Jesus so they could heal them and all of this stuff going on. And Jesus is walking into the temple and he stops to acknowledge a blind beggar. See, Jesus noticed people and Jesus notices people. And the second thing Jesus did is that Jesus loved people. See, we live in a day and an age of skepticism towards religion, where people are tired of fake Christians who say one thing and act a very different way. And every one of us want to be loved, don't we? Every one of us want to be loved and because we know that real love changes lives. We say that again. Every one of us want to be loved because we know that real love changes lives. See, Jesus shows us what real love looks like. See, Jesus shows us that in the midst of everything that was going on, in the midst of everything that was happening in that, in that moment and that time, Jesus stops to acknowledge and stops to love. See, in our world and our society, people are looking for real and authentic something. They're looking and they're searching for something. And yet I, I, kind of, I wonder what might look like if, if we had a community, which we've got a community here that loves, but I wonder what our community might look like if we took love to some whole new levels. I wonder what, what our city might look like if we loved our city through something as simple as some red bags that we fill up with some, some groceries to make a difference in some people's lives. You know what I love about this? is it takes the pressure off you and me to have it all together and all right because all we've got to do is love people. See, it's not about what I do or don't do. It's not whether I get the words right or not right. It's actually the fact that all God calls us to do is to love people. See, we think about people like Mother Teresa. How many people have ever met Mother Teresa here? Who knows the name Mother Teresa? See, none of us know who, none of us have ever met Mother Teresa, but we know one thing in common. Mother Teresa had an incredible love for people, and that has impacted our world. See, Jesus steps into this guy's story. He's, and what I find interesting is that at no point does the man actually acknowledge that Jesus is there or that he is Jesus. In fact, we don't, we want to read the, read, the, read the passage again. He doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He is just simply there asking for anything. And Jesus comes into his world. He invades his world and he offers him love and he acknowledges who he is. Church, I wonder what it might be like if we were a community of people known for the fact that we love people. I wonder, I wonder what it might look like here 
If, if there was such an incredible love for each other and love for, for who is and what's going on in each other's worlds and, and that leaks outside these walls, when people walk through those doors, they're not just greeted by someone up here saying everyone who comes through those doors is welcome. But before they ever walk through the doors, they just go, you know what, there's such a sense of love. There's such a sense of acceptance. You know, there's something different about this place. There's something different. I don't even know what they're going on. I don't know what they're selling or smoking or doing or whatever, but there's something different about them, there's something different about who they are. See, that is what this man encountered. The love and acceptance of Jesus. Because he knew and we know that every one of us want to be loved and that real love changes lives. But you know what? It's easier said than done. It's easy to love the ones that we want to love and not so easy to love the ones that we don't want to love. Well, let me put it this way. It's easy to love the ones that we want to love. It's not so easy to love the ones that are different. Can I just say, you're all weird in some level. And I know that because I look in the mirror every day, and I'm, I often reflect on how weird I am. See, every one of us are odd, quirky, weird, strange. Have I offended everyone? Yeah, good. Every one of us are different in some way. But Jesus loved a different person. You know, I was, I was reminded thinking about this week, going, you know what, I, I, I often reflect on my kids and I often reflect on how incredible blessing they are. But, but babies have a unique ability to be able to do everything that would normally drive everyone away you know, I mean, they, they, like if any one of you after the service pooped, vomited, weed, um, spat, you know, whatever on someone else, would probably not want to necessarily know them. And yet when it's your own baby, you just go, oh, how cute is that? I mean, you kind of, you know, there's other things to go through your mind too. But, you know, we've got to go, oh, wow, how amazing that is. You know, babies have this ability to, to do everything that would naturally push someone away. And yet because they are yours, you just love them. And you can't, I remember before I had kids, people would talk about this and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm kind of like, I'm pretending, I'm like smiling on the outside going, I don't know what you're talking about on the inside. And then I had kids and it wrecked it for me. Because I look at my kids and I, and I look at them now and I realize, you know what, there's nothing that they can do to make me love them any more or any less. Sometimes a little less, but most of the time, you know, 93%. There's nothing we can do they, there's nothing they can do to make me love them any more or any less. Do you know that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less? Do you understand that? Do you, just let that sink in your mind for a moment. There is not one thing that you can do that will alter God's love for you, his quota for you, because that is what we call grace, undeserved and unmerited favor. You see, Jesus shows grace to this blind guy on the side of the road and he puts his love into action. He makes a mud pie and wipes it in his face and his life is forever changed. See, because see, Jesus sees him as a real, amazing, loved, highly loved person who he made. But how do you see it? 
See, I thought I was doing okay. I thought on the quota of loving people, I was kind of like, if there's like okay, I kind of pegged myself about here. I thought, to be honest, I was kind of doing all right with loving people until this week. And I'm thinking through this and, and I've got a confession to make for you. I thought I was doing all right. But then for me this week, God messed it all up. So there's a person who's been coming to our church for a little while. And, and they're, to be honest, they're a little bit different to me, which is fine because we're all different to each other. And I'm annoying and you're not annoying. I don't want to offend anyone. And so, you know, we're all just a little bit different. And, and I, I became aware that she was a little bit upset because I wasn't able to go and say hi. And to be honest, I was kind of like, I, ju- I began to justify myself to God and go, you know what, God, like on a Sunday morning, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of business. There's a lot of people, a lot of things going on and everything else. And, and I began to kind of just justify myself. And then I'm thinking through and I'm planning, I'm planning about this and I'm praying over this passage and I'm looking at this passage and God's talking about, you know, how he loved, you know, he's talking to me about how he loved this man regardless of what he looked like or regardless of who he was, regardless of what he did or anything else. So I was really challenged by God this week. So I picked up the phone and I gave them a call and I just, and I apologized. You know, I didn't really want to do that. But you know what? I'm so glad I did. Because as I had this phone call with this person on the other end of the phone, it was a lovely phone call. And we laughed and we talked and I apologized and we shared and heard a little bit about their story and they heard a little bit about my story. It was one of those moments where you just kind of went, God, thank you for that reminder again. God, that you know what? You love people and you have brought some, some incredible people into our lives and into this church. But it all comes down to how do you see it? See, our city needs people who will love people. The blind man was different. He looked different, smelt different, acted different, did a different occupation to Jesus, lived in a different place that Jesus did, but he constantly loved him. And a city needs that kind of love. You see, that this, I kind of reckon, as I talk to people who don't go to church, they're a little bit tired of hearing Christians bang on about all of this stuff and everything else, and yet they don't always love people. And here we find the religious leaders, get, at the end of this story, the religious leaders gather this blind guy to him and they're really, really, really angry. They're really, really angry that how dare someone do something like this on the Sabbath? I mean, it's the Saturday, it's their, it's their religious day and no one does anything. And so they're really angry that this man, how dare someone get here? I mean, that seems a little bit crazy to us, yeah? Gotta go, that's a little bit odd. But they're really, really angry. So they, they drag him before the religious leaders. and they, they drag him before it all. And, and in the midst of that moment, they go, well, who is this man? You know what? This man, we know he is a sinner. Do you know who he is? And so there's this banter back and forth. And then they drag Jesus in. And in verse 24, 25, it says this. The second time they summoned the man, who, who had been blind. Give glory to God and tell the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I can see. 
Can you put yourselves in the middle of that picture? You know, here's a guy who, who 10 minutes beforehand, half an hour beforehand, couldn't see a thing, but can now see 2020 vision. And he's standing before the religious leaders and they're trying to catch him out. You see, he knew that he had to walk really carefully here because if he said the wrong thing, not just Jesus, but he could get booted out of the synagogue. Now, what that meant for him is he would lose his faith and lose his eternity because the only way that you could get, you could get set free of, your, of your, your, um, your sin was to go to the synagogue and offer a sacrifice. So if he wasn't allowed to get there, he wasn't allowed to be forgiven. And so he knew at this moment the price and what was about or could possibly happen. And yet I love the boldness of this man when he says, you know, who was it? Surely he was a sinner. And the, the man kind of stands there and goes, I don't know who he was. All I know, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. All I know is that I couldn't see a thing, but I can now see everything. All I knew is that before I was lost and broken and and no one would acknowledge me and no one would love me. And then in the moment, now I can see that there is someone that's for me. Now I can see that there is someone that loves me. Now I can see that there is someone that would stop and acknowledge someone like me. I was blind, but now I can see. Do you know what my prayer is? My prayer for my life and for our church is that we might begin to say that. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I can see. See, my prayer is that we'll be able to see people for for who they are. My my prayer is that we will will see people for, for people that are desperately loved by God that it make mistakes, we all make mistakes. My prayer is that we would see people just as Jesus saw people. But let me say, this is gonna get messy. It got messy for Jesus. Because he, he, he did nothing wrong except to heal the guy. Well, he spat on the ground and made a mud pie. That's a little bit odd, but he, he didn't do anything wrong except for heal someone. He gets dragged before the religious leaders. So it got messy for the man when all of a sudden he was blind, didn't know what was coming, and all of a sudden he's got mud dripping off his face. He didn't know. It was messy for Jesus. To stop and do something awkward, to do something awkward, because he loved the blind See, church, to love people, it's going to get messy. We are called to love people. We've got some friends with us this morning who are going to help me illustrate this. So they're going to they're help me illustrate this as one of them comes out. They illustrate the fact that to do this is going to get messy to get inside each other's worlds. To carry each other's burdens gets messy. It means allowing people to rub off in each other's lives. It means that in the moment when we we choose, when we want to make a choice according to how we want to make a choice, (laughs) 
it means that it gets messy. It means that as we do life together, as we stop, we acknowledge people, as we love people, it gets messy. It gets messy as we rub off on each other. It's not always neat and tidy. It's not always convenient. And it doesn't always make sense. But love doesn't make sense. See, it doesn't make sense that God would so love us that He would send His only Son. It doesn't make sense that, that, that someone who did nothing wrong would die and walk into our lives and get messy with us because He loved us. It didn't make sense that, that Jesus, having done never anything wrong, except loving people, except for acknowledging people, would go through what He went through for someone like me. It's a story of a guy who got messed up. Story of someone whose life was changed. Imagine what our lives, imagine what our community could look like. And I reckon we're doing an incredible job at this church. I wonder what our community would look like if there's just a whole lot of mess going on. As people are connecting and talking and sharing and caring, we're acknowledging, we're walking across rooms to have a conversation with people from a different background, different place, different whatever it might be, simply because we want to value and love people just like Jesus loved people what would it look like if we got real authentic genuine and a little bit messy let me pray dearly father we thank you God we thank you for this story God, it is a crazy story that in so many fronts doesn't make sense. But God, I thank you that, that you don't always have to make sense. God, we thank you that we thank you that you loved us so much that you would give your one and only son for us. God, that you would love us, that you would acknowledge us, that you would accept us, that you would include us. Lord, let us be a community of people who encounter you and out of our encounter with you, God, we love each other and we love people. God, stir us, challenge us, stretch us, expand us to love every single person who comes through those doors. And every person who comes to our door at work or at home or at uni or school or wherever it might be, 
and see what you might do. So God, we thank you. Lord, as we sing these words, turn your eyes upon Jesus. God, as this man did for the first time, seeing life and seeing you, God, I pray that you would stir something in us in these moments. God, let us encounter you. Let it, God, we want you to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.